0: What a game by the Delaware Blue Hens, defeating the Elon Phoenix 28-16 to to claim win number four of the season and their second in conference play. I'm Brandon Halvec, and this is the Delaware Football Roundup. Just me today as we quickly hop back into the studio to bring you an instant post-game podcast analysis. Right now it is 7.24 p.m., so about as quick as you can get from Delaware Stadium back to the WVUD studio to give you analysis of this huge Delaware win, their biggest win of the season, no doubt. A lot to get to in this game, a lot to love from the Blue Hens, including an excellent defensive performance, in my opinion, throughout the entire afternoon, and then an offensive awakening in the second half against a pretty strong Elon defense. Now, there are a few things that we'll get to that you know make this a little bit easier than a typical game against a number 5 opponent, most notably quarterback Davis Cheek going out early in this game for Elon. But with all of that put into consideration, this is still an enormous win for the Blue Hens and gives them a lot of life, a lot of juice going into the second half of this season and into the later part of the CAA schedule. I'm going to get into how this game all played out and the different things that Delaware did well and did not do well on both the offensive and defensive side of the football. But I wanted to start off this episode of the Delaware Football Roundup with just kind of the game experience that that was down there. And it reminds me a lot of the double overtime win Delaware had against Richmond last season, where you're kind of reminded of what it's supposed to be like at Delaware Stadium. You know, you're, you get that last defensive stop, which puts the game away. Troy Reader comes up on a third and 10 and just crushes the Elon quarterback on 4th and 17, they chuck one into the corner of the end zone that has no chance of being completed, and the Delaware Blue Hen crowd just just, you just feel the energy. You feel it, not necessarily erupt, you know, it's not crazy loud down there. It was a great crowd for parents and family weekend, pretty much full on the home side, almost full on the away side, but it, it was just kind of that sense of satisfaction that this is what Delaware Blue Hens football should be. You know, Elon comes into this game the number five ranked team in the nation, but that's a small school down there in North Carolina. And Delaware traditionally is one of the most attended schools at this FCS level and in terms of attendance has been top 10 at the FCS level even through these dog days, even through these last eight seasons in which Delaware has not made the FCS playoff. So I want to start off by just noting that it, is the kind of game that you long for and you long that all of the games for the rest of the season are going to feel like at Delaware Stadium. That energy, that emotion was back. You know, the fans are all into the game. When every ball is caught or dropped in that final quarter of the game, you feel the the excitement build and either release if it's a drop or build even more if it's a completion. And that was really a fun thing to be a part of this evening watching with my family, watching with them on Parents and Family Weekend, as many Blue Hens students were. And, I mean, we were all certainly treated to quite a contest between the Blue Hens and the Phoenix. You know, you, you go into seasons with Parents and Family Weekend and Homecoming hoping that, as a school, you're probably trying to schedule the worst possible opponent. You want to guarantee you win. You want people to come in and be happy, have a good time before and after the game, and watch the team win. But when you can have this type of win against a team that has all the momentum in the world coming into the game, and you're the ones who come out of the game with all the momentum. That's really exciting. That's really special. And I just wanted to highlight that right off the top. And not to say, you know, Delaware football is definitively back because who knows, there's a lot of season left to be played. There's a lot of good games, a lot of good teams on the schedule that Delaware still has to face. And when we sat here, I guess a week deeper into the season – after that double overtime win against Richmond, it gave that Delaware football feeling his back and there were still some things that happened in the final four weeks of the season where the Blue Hens weren't able to make the playoffs and they really blew the chances themselves. Nobody knocked them out. They knocked themselves out by not being able to beat a beatable Towson team the week after and then a few weeks after that last game of the season against Villanova. But it is the type of game that at least sets them up for that type of run deeper into this season, at which if it's completed the way it could be, we would say Delaware football is back. Delaware football is in the playoffs for the first time since 2010. Delaware football is beginning to establish itself as an FCS contender. though That was the thought, that was the hope coming into this season for observers of this team and Blue Hens fans. It seemed like it wasn't really going to play out that way based on some of the things that started this season off. That loss against Rhode Island gets you down to open the year, but now we're starting to see this team play up to its potential, and it does so especially in this game on the defensive side of the ball, and that's where we'll start They hold Elon to 16 points. It was the type of performance that we came into this season expecting, at least here at WVUD Sports. We said when Delaware wins games and when they win games against the top opponents in the CAA, it's going to be because their defense is one of the best, not only in this conference, but in the nation. Elon puts up 289 total yards, so a big improvement from the over 600-yard game they gave up against Richmond a week ago. They tally 176 passing yards and 113 rushing yards. Elon, as a team, averaged 2.9 rushing yards per game. In that department first, I thought Delaware did an excellent job of establishing themselves. That was the matchup that we highlighted coming into this game. The number one rushing offense versus the number four rushing defense. And Delaware's rushing defense won that battle time and time again. From the beginning of this game through the end of it, Elon was falling behind in the sticks they didn't have very many third and short opportunities the phoenix end up five of 18 on third down conversions in this game and as it plays out there are a lot of times where you feel confident delaware would be able to get off the field a few times penalties extended drives or elon would come up with a nice rush by the quarterback who was in pressure would scramble out of the pocket and pick up a first down But those design plays on third down were not very successful for Elon in the third and medium, third and long situations. Delaware, more often than not, was getting themselves off the field on third down. Now, a big part of the rushing game not playing up to the level of expectation for Elon was that Malcolm Summers was not in this game. He practiced all week with the team. We expected him to play, but apparently he had something dinged up against James Madison and they decided to hold him out today. So the CAA's leading rusher was not a part of this game. He came into the game averaging 118 rushing yards per game. That's certainly a factor. But as we also detailed coming into this week against Elon, this is a team that has had success running without Malcolm Summers. Not quite the success they have with him, but without Dajon McNair last year in five starts was pretty solid. And Elon was still able to make the playoffs when Summers missed the final five games of the season. McNair 14 for 32 Thomas the other option 12 for 49 a little bit better but largely they held the ground game in check and that's where it really started for the Blue Hens defense and then in the secondary you know they don't make all the plays that they made against Richmond where they had five interceptions and six takeaways but they made enough plays the longest play of the game was a 52-yard completion from Jalen Green to Cole Taylor it set up the first Elon touchdown of the game. The big pass play came once again against Nick uh, Nigel Hill, the corner for the Blue hens, which we can talk about a little bit later on. But outside of that one play, you know, they made Elon try to pick up chunks, and the Phoenix really were unable to sustain those eight, nine, 10 play drives, whereas the Blue hens were able to control the ball, were able to control the clock. They come out of this winning the time of possession battle 3207 to 2753. The offense gave the defense time off the field to rest, which is something that we talked about a lot in the North Dakota State game when the defense seemed to be playing snap after snap, drive after drive. Today they were well-rested, and they really came to play. It was a, a fabulous performance by the defense all the way around. Troy Reeder once again leads the team in tackles with 15, eight of them solo. He came into the game leading the CIA in tackles per game, I imagine he'll lead the CIA once again as we head into the next week of the season. Charles Bell had 10 tackles, Colby Reeder with seven, and I really thought Ray Jones played well, playing in that bandit linebacker role where he split out over the slot a lot of the time. Later in the game, they started bringing him up to the line of scrimmage every now and then, letting him rush the quarterback and rush the running game. And he made some pretty nice plays. A couple times he had chances at interceptions. He'd jump up on quick screens or RPOs and knock the ball down from the quarterback. Other times he hurried throws, and then he made a few plays just out in space one-on-one where he's preventing either a wide receiver who's catching a short pass off an RPO or a running back who's out in space from picking up further yardage. I thought Ray Jones played excellently in this game. But Troy Reeder, too, he can't ignore that stat line. 15 tackles eight of them solo again, four and a half for a loss. He had a sack late in the game. He'll be the CIA defensive player of the week unless somebody somewhere else had two or three interceptions. One of the best games you'll see from a linebacker at this level, and he leads the Blue Hens defense through an excellent performance throughout the entire afternoon, keying the Blue Hens to this victory. Now let's talk about the offense, and I want to go back to a specific point in the game to launch this conversation It was about nine minutes to go. Delaware gets the ball, trailing 16 to 14. And they come out from their 32-yard line, 9.45 exactly, on the clock. And they come out with Joe Walker at quarterback in pistol. And they run two times with Joe Walker executing the offense, picks up a first down. They run a third time. They're controlling the clock. And then they take... A couple shots. They they did miss. Joe Walker open on a little crosser with he and scarf. Heho went to scarf. The plat pass was broken up. I thought Walker might have been open for a touchdown there. After that though, they draw the pass interference on a deep attempt to Vinnie Papali, and then the drive kind of stalls. You know they got going pretty well with the ground game to that point. You know starting in their deep in their own territory. I like that they gave them that different look with Joe Walker, and it was pretty successful. But now they're on the Elon side of the field, and it's third and long. Kehoe in shotgun. It's pretty loud. I was down in the end zone that the Blue Hens were going toward. He's in shotgun. Elon brings pressure. Five or six defensive players coming at Kehoe, and one of them, one of the linebackers or defensive backs, is coming up the middle almost untouched. And Kehoe stands in there as long as he can, and he delivers just kind of throwing a ball up there to get it, out it was important that Kehoe one avoided the sack because where Delaware was on the field they could have attempted probably about a 40 yard field goal and taken a 17 to 16 lead if they weren't able to pick up that third and long but Kehoe smartly just kind of lays one out there Vinny Papali's coming from the slot running to the corner of the right part of the end zone and his head's not even turned around when Kehoe lofts this ball it's thrown up there. Kehoe gets it away just in time. Papali turns his head, takes two or three more strides, and the ball is just in the perfect spot. Papali is able to run under it, and that's six for Delaware. And that, to me, was one of the most, if not the most impressive throws we've seen this season. It might have been a combination of luck and skill, but it was certainly the right read to at least give that play a shot, You know, throwing it up deep to Papali and seeing if he can run under it, even though... It was probably thrown earlier in the route than Papali was expecting and what was designed for the play, but you avoid the sack, you give your receiver a chance to make a play in the end zone, and he takes advantage, and that gives them the 21-16 to lead. There were still seven o one left in the game, but when the defense comes back out, the stadium is just pumping. The defense was so fired up after that touchdown from their offense, they go out there and get a three and out immediately, which I thought was huge by the defense, going back to them for a second here. Because there's so much momentum, there's so much energy for the Blue Hens and from their fans that if you give up something there, Elon has plenty of time to still be in this game, right? They're trailing 21 to 16. If they put together a drive, you'd lose that momentum, that energy, and the Phoenix could go down there and score. And then you'd be back on your heels again with not that much time for your offense to try to execute a game-winning drive. Instead, the defense comes out, gets that stop, you give it back to the offense, who with about six minutes to go, 6.29 to be exact, goes into the run the ball situation, run out the clock, and they do so excellently. Again, it's Kane, Kane, Kane. He bust one for 32 yards to set up first and goal for the Blue Hens, an opportunity for the team to put the game on ice. At that point, there's just over four minutes remaining in the game. Elon starts to take their timeouts after first, second down. You're left with third and goal from the two-yard line. Elon calls timeout. Delaware's got plenty of time to set this up, and I just absolutely love the play design on third and goal, leading 21-16 to with a chance to put the game away. Again, in this situation, if Delaware's held out of the end zone, Elon would have had an opportunity to tie the game. They would have needed a touchdown and a two-point conversion with about 345 left in the fourth quarter. So, not exactly likely that Elon would have done that at this point of the game with the way that the Blue Hens defense was performing, but they would have had a chance to do so. Instead, the offense converts and they put the game away, going up by 12, which is the final margin, and the play design that again I just absolutely love is Joe Walker in pistol. He's got the big guys extra beef out there. Dreams Kalski and another tight end came into the game, so it's all big guys with Walker and Canai Kane behind him. And Walker motions from the quarterback spot out wide. There's a bunch of confusion among the Elon Phoenix defense. Who's going to go out and line up over Walker? I think two or three guys kind of step toward that way. And as that happens, they direct snap to Kanai Kane. He runs up to the goal line. He's got one guy to put his shoulder into. And he pushes the ball over the goal line for six. The, that final sequence by the Blue Hens offense, that final nine minutes of action was really impressive to see. To see them execute the touchdown drive, which finishes with the deep pass to Papali. When they really needed a touchdown, they were able to come through with the air assault. And then when they have the lead to put the game on ice the way they did with the big running drive, it was all runs. A six-play 53-yard drive takes up two and a half minutes down the stretch in this game. It was exactly what you would want your offense to do in that situation. The Blue Hens executed excellently as an offense in those final nine minutes and 45 seconds. So I give them tons of credit for what they were able to do there at the end of the game. Now, it wasn't all perfect for the Blue Hens offense, and early in this game, it had shades of the Rhode Island performance where, you know, they make those three turnovers— plus the drop from Owen Tyler, and all of a sudden you're thinking, man, if one of these things went the other way, we win a very winnable game. It felt that this might be one of those types of games early on. Delaware commits three early turnovers. The first on the second play of the game, Kehoe is keeping it on like an option play. He fumbles. I didn't get a great look at it to see if it was just a really good play by the defense or if it was something that Kehoe did, but he fumbles one away. Then on one of their next few drives, Kehoe is throwing to Joe Walker on a crossing route over the middle. The throw is a little bit high and behind Walker. It bounces off his hands right into the arms of a defensive back. That's a play where it kind of just doesn't break your way. I mean, you'd love Kehoe to get that throw down and hit Walker right in the numbers, and that's a 15, 20-yard completion. But the defensive back has to be in the right exact spot where that ball tips to. So you get kind of unlucky with that second play and you're thinking, man, things are really not going our way. If we're playing the number five team in the nation, how are we going to come back from two early turnovers? They're not going to turn the ball over as many times as Delaware is. So you do that early in the game and then you come up with the third one, which is really the back breaker. Elon at that point had already scored seven after that big 52-yard completion to Cole Taylor against Nigel Hill. And on the next turnover, Kehoe is pressured on a corner blitz, cap blitz. The corner's untouched, comes to Kehoe's blindside, strip sack. Elon is set up inside the Blue Hens' 30-yard line. The defense, and yet again, holds them out of the end zone, holds them to three. They did that a couple on all these turnovers, really, going back to the defense again, just to highlight what a great performance they had. Delaware turns it over three times in the first half. They yielded just three points off those turnovers. The first two times, the defense gets stops. That last time, after the Kehoe fumble, the second Kehoe fumble, they're backed up inside their 30-yard line. They hold Elon to a field goal there, which was huge again. On that second Kehoe fumble, I thought he could have done a better job of tucking the ball in once you feel the pressure, once you feel the contact from the blind side, but you know, it is a good play design. You give Elon credit for drawing it up in a good spot. They get the big play. So offensively, that's something that you're absolutely going to look back to and want to clean up as an offense, but it's still really impressive that you're able to be minus three in the turnover battle and beat a team by twelve points. Early on, things were a little slow. I, I, I wanted them to get Joe Walker a bit more involved. I was sitting there saying, Where where is Joe Walker? I haven't seen him have a catch yet. I thought he'd be a big factor in this game, and it seemed that Delaware agreed. They put him out there on kickoffs for the first time this season just to try to get the ball in his hand. Second half, Walker was certainly involved. I mean, his numbers aren't going to jump off the page like they did in the last couple of games, but two catches, 25 yards, four runs for 17, but they were timely. They were on that last drive where they're trying to run out the clock, and then he has another one of those trick play passes down the field, a 37-yard completion this week. To Gene Coleman, which fired up the second touchdown pass of the game to Charles Scarf, which at that point put Delaware ahead 14-10. It was their first lead of the game. So Walker did give that spark in the second half. I wanted to see a little bit more of him early, so that seemed to be where they maybe were struggling. Running the ball, they started off pretty strong. Kenai Kane finishes the game with 19 attempts, 124 rushing yards, and a touchdown, including that 32 yard long on the final drive of the game. Dejan Lee was getting into the game, six attempts for 26 yards, kind of rotating with Kane in the first half. Passing game, you know, the Pico missed a few throws, but you end up with the normal suspects at the top of the list. Vinny Papali, four catches, 58 yards, and a touchdown, the big one at the end. Coleman has that 37 yard catch from Walker that I mentioned a moment ago. And then how about Charles Scarf? Let's go back to first half Charles Scarf, or I guess first and second half Charles Scarf. Huge, huge plays by Charles Scarf, and he is really starting to establish himself as a— I mean, obviously, he's he's the best red zone threat on this Delaware Blue Hens football team, but I'd be interested to compare him against the other red zone threats in the conference. Came into this year an all-CIA selection. I kind of doubted it. Came into this year having had just 73 receiving yards last year— and 13 catches. I mean, he's blown those numbers out of the water and the catch today, especially the first one corner of the end zone, he is all he is all covered. He is the doors are locked, the windows are closed and he somehow comes down with the ball, gets the foot in. The second time they're down there, I said it on first and goal. Second and goal I think was when they completed it if it wasn't his was third and goal. And I was saying, "Look for Charles Scarf right here. Charles Scarfe to the corner of the end zone." What do you know? They get him isolated. He's the only guy on the left side of the field on that play. You got trips to the right or at least two receivers to the right, and they find Charles Scarf in the corner again. If he's one-on-one in the corner, you throw the ball up to that guy. He's coming down with it 75% of the time. That's something that Pat Kehoe talked about a couple of weeks ago in his press conference. As a quarterback, you look around at the field, and when teams are playing up in the box and they're leaving your guys one-on-one, you look at the matchup then, because those are 50-50 balls. But you look at the matchup to see, does my guy have the advantage over the defense? And if he does, maybe that's now a 60-40 ball. Or if they're really good like Charles Scarf, and it's the red zone where things are tight and a big body makes a big difference, maybe that's a 75-25 ball. So Charles Scarf doesn't factor into this game that Big down the stretch, the way that Vinny Papali and Joe Walker do for the Blue Hens offense, but he was just as important in the first half. Finishes the game five catches, 43 receiving yards, and two big touchdowns. So overall, Delaware played a great game. The defense was really good from start to finish. The offense started slow, but in the second half, they perform very well when it counts the most. But you might be sitting here now as a Blue Hen fan with a little bit of pessimism or a little cynical after the way that this one played out because this is a team that lost its starting quarterback in the middle of the game and was playing without its top running back. So you might be sitting here saying everybody's getting crazy too excited about this win over the number five team. Let's remember they didn't have their guys today. And I think that's an entirely valid point. Davis Cheek last year was the CIA Offensive Rookie of the Year. He had been playing pretty well so far this season. The Passing yards in terms of volume weren't great, but they were very efficient and very accurate. But as we all know, this was a team built around the ground game. And today, as we mentioned before, they don't have Malcolm Summers at all. The CAA leading rusher, Cheek, they start the game with him. He attempts just five passes before he goes down with a non-contact knee injury. Looks like it might have been pretty serious. Was not contacted again. Just kind of goes down in the Blue Hens, touch him and sack him in the backfield. Uh, but to that to that overall point, to, to to the cynics out there saying, hey, this is an Elon team that was without their dogs, this is not cr- a crazy win, Delaware should have won this game, I, I say to you, great point, that makes a lot of sense, and it does take a little bit away from this win, It it's not quite the same as beating most number five teams in the country. But with that being said, you know, Delaware played the team that was in front of them, and that that's the way that this game shook out, Delaware played could have lost players too they did lose a couple players they didn't have colin Wallace, the center because of sickness mario farinello plays center and Chuka azuzo comes in at left guard they didn't have tenny atawusi for the first half because he was ejected from last week's game so nigel hill starts and hill gets burned deep on the 52 yard completion to cole taylor uh, injuries are part of this game and for delaware to be successful they're going to need to be healthy through the rest of the season. So far, Dedler has been very fortunate. They haven't had any major injuries. I can't even think of really one starter who's had to miss more than a game with an injury. And Elon got unlucky today. No Malcolm Summers, no Davis-Cheek. That's obviously going to change what they can do offensively. Uh, but Delaware played the team that was in front of them. And they made enough plays when it mattered most to get this win. And they should get some credit for beating a team that comes into this one as the best in the CAA record-wise and the number five team in the country. As we mentioned, ad nauseum before the game, Elon last week beat James Madison 27 to 24 in Harrisonburg. It was their first ever win against the Dukes. It was the first time that a CIA team had beat James Madison since 2015. It snapped an FCS best 19-game home winning streak. It was an an impressive win, something we haven't seen in this conference in quite some time. You all talk about how good James Madison is, and all of that talk is absolutely true. They've been the class of the CIA for the last three or four seasons. Elon was the first team to take them down, which got them to this number five ranking. They also had three really good wins before that. This is a really good football team who had some unfortunate losses due to injury in the beginning part of this game. And Delaware is the beneficiary, but they should still get credit for this win, for the 28-16 win, and really not even being that close when it comes down to it at the end. They didn't really just nudge this one out. They controlled the win in the fourth quarter, and they should get some credit for that. So now you might be thinking, well, what does this game mean for the Blue Hens season? Well, first of all, it jumps them to 4-2 overall and 2-1 and one in CAA play. And in my opinion, it puts them into the top 25 for the first time this regular season. They were in the preseason top 25. They fell right out of the pole after the loss against Rhode Island. To me, this win puts them back into the top 25, probably in the 18-25 to 25 range. But beyond that, it really doesn't mean a whole lot. There's still a lot of football left to be played. This game doesn't guarantee them anything in the way of CAA standing or playoff seating or a playoff spot. There are a lot of games that Delaware still has to win, not just play close in. There are games they have, have to win down the stretch in this season in order to reach their goal of making the playoffs and to meet expectations for most Blue Hens fans. It's a great step in the right direction. I think it becomes their signature win so far this season it's a great win to put up against other teams when we compare resumes at the end of the year especially if Elon bounces back as I expect they will as long as Davis Cheek is not out for an extended period of time Elon bounces back and continues to be a playoff contender that win against Elon looks pretty good down the stretch when you're comparing Delaware to other teams as we've talked about a little bit before on this podcast and on Blue Hen Sports Cage Rhode Island playing well also really helps Delaware's case it makes that loss in week one not look quite as bad now the Rams lost today in a close one against Maine 38 to 36 both of those teams are four and two as are the Blue Hens so as we look at the standings right now as they shake out after this week six Delaware is right back into the mix of things right back into the thick of it the Rhode Island loss though it hurts and you'd love to have that win right now and be perfect in CAA play it's not going to End their season in week one, right? Because they come up with this upset win against Elon that puts them right back kind of on track. As we look at the CAA standings, real briefly here, Towson is on top. They're three and zero in the conference after a win today against William and Mary, and five and one overall. Maine stays perfect in CAA play with that win over Rhode Island, so they're also three and zero, but five and excuse me four and two overall. Then you go to James Madison and Stony Brook, two teams. That will be ranked in the FCS Top 25 poll. They're both 3-1 and one in CAA play and 5-2 and two overall. And then you're down to Delaware, Elon, and Rhode Island. So it makes perfect sense. The teams that Delaware has been close with this season, all at 2-1 in CAA play and 4-2 and overall. I think that's the cutoff. I think those are now the seven teams vying for playoff spots from the conference. Villanova entered today's play, ranked 25th in the country. They lost their fourth CAA game of the season. I think that puts them firmly out of it. They lost 37 to nothing against James Madison. New Hampshire loses again today to Stony Brook 35 to seven. So I think they're firmly out of it too at one and five overall and 0 oh three in CAA play, even though Trevor Knight came back last week. So that leaves us with Maine, Towson, JMU, Stony Brook, Delaware, Elon, and Rhode Island. Delaware has to play two of those teams still. They also have New Hampshire next week, which I don't think will be an easy game on the road. So this Elon win really helps them it helps their CAA standing, puts them back into the middle of the conference, but it by no means guarantees that this is going to be a playoff team. There's still a lot of football left. It will give the Blue Hens some valuable momentum heading into a road matchup against New Hampshire and then to the homecoming matchup back here at home against Towson the following week, a Towson team that all of a sudden looks really, really good and hard to beat, but there's still work to be done. I think there are some things to clean up. We talked about the turnovers before. You can't have three turnovers and win a lot of football games in the CAA. Defensively, they were great. They need to continue the way they've been playing. I wouldn't be surprised if we see more Casey Hinton for Nigel Hill to help clean up some of those deep passing flaws. So again, overall, an exciting, a very, very fun Delaware football game. They win at 28-16. They moved to 4-2 move and two on the season and 2-1 and one in CAA play. I'm very impressed by the defense and by the way that the offense closed this one. A quick programming note, since there was nobody else with me on this episode, we're going to give you a special edition kind of mid-season review at the early part of this week with most likely myself and Jake Lampert, maybe a couple of other of our WVUD sports guys to get some of their thoughts in here as we hit the midway mark. We're six games in, five games to go in the regular season. So, I think what we're going to do is we're going to grade each position group as a way of talking about this Blue Hens team as a whole and how our expectations have been met or haven't been met by the different groups on this team. And then we'll be back on Thursday with a preview of New Hampshire on our Blue Hens Sports Cage radio show, 5 to 7 p.m. on 91.3 WVUD, and an abridged version of that show available right here on the Blue Hens Sports Cage podcast feed. Delaware gets a signature win over number five, Elon, 28-16. I'm Brandon Hovek. Thank you for listening to the Delaware Football Roundup. We'll talk to you guys soon.